This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. You can track me down on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me at reallifepharmacology.com or meded101.com and hit the contact button there and uh, you can shoot me an email if you've got any questions, concerns, uh, looking for uh, more information there. I try to respond uh, to all the emails I get. I I definitely do. So uh, you can find me there. Uh, With that, let's get into it today. I'm I'm covering acyclovir. Uh, Brand name of this medication is Zovirax and I'm really going to focus primarily on the oral um, dosage form here uh, comes as IV as well. I guess systemic uh, drug in systemic circulation rather than the topical acyclovir. Uh, so that's going to be my, my primary focus here. So first off, getting into that mechanism of action, how does this drug work? Well, you got to remember that it's used for uh, viral infections and it's only used for certain viral infections. Okay, so you know, your common head cold, influenza, uh, those type of viral infections, this drug does not get used for that. So it's important to remember that. Uh, the primary uses I'll, I'll talk about after the mechanism here, uh, but how this drug works, it's actually transformed from its original state uh, by the virus's own thymidine kinase, and it gets converted to a cyclovir monophosphate, and it continues to uh, have phosphates added, phosphate groups added to the drug until it becomes a cyclovir triphosphate. And that's really the uh, active component that, uh, you know, prevents, blocks that, that DNA production that the virus needs to continue to, to grow and replicate. So uh, acyclovir triphosphate is the component uh, that's going to block that DNA production. And it does by... Uh, competing, fighting against uh, deoxyguanosine triphosphate, which is necessary for uh, continued growth and and replication. And when it competes with that, it takes the place of that uh, deoxyguanosine triphosphate and it gets incorporated into viral DNA. As you could imagine, this really uh, upsets uh, how the uh, virus continues to grow and, and replicate. So that's how it uh, has its antiviral uh, effects, if you will. Uh, now those indications, uh, you know, I talked about the drug not being good for every possible viral infection. Uh, the primary uses for this agent agent is herpes, uh, so herpes simplex often referred to as genital herpes. Uh, They can occur elsewhere, but um, that's one of the main uh, indications for this medication. Uh, Also in the event of a shingles flare, shingles outbreak for a patient, so that's herpes zoster. Uh, Chicken pox, uh, in in significant severe cases, it it can also 
uh, be used for management of that. And that's varicella uh, is the more formal name there. Uh, so that's primarily uh, acyclovir is going to be used for treatment. Uh, but there are certain situations, circumstances that you may see it used in uh, prevention. So a good example, uh, somebody that's maybe had a recurrent uh, zoster infection where they've got recurrent shingles episodes or recurrent uh, herpes simplex episodes, and maybe that patient is uh, immunocompromised, for example. Uh, that immune system can't stop those infections, can't prevent them as well as a normal healthy individual. And that might be a situation where we use uh, these agents more on a preventative uh, more routine uh, type basis. Uh, cytomegalovirus or CMV uh, is another possible infection that we may try to uh, prevent as well in immunocompromised patients. Now, I did want to mention um, one of the, the primary reasons why you probably don't see acyclovir uh, used as much as uh, val acyclovir is because it is dosed so frequently. So acyclovir came along, uh, was really the, the one of the first agents within this class of medication, and then valacyclovir came along and uh, had a little, a little added benefit that you didn't have to dose it quite as frequency, frequently. Excuse me. So with that dosing, acyclovir uh, is generally dosed up to five times per day. So I, I preach this to students, uh, to others that, that I teach. Uh, you've got to remember the more times uh, that you give a dose to the patient, uh, the likelihood that they miss those doses, it, it just seems to, to go up and up and up. So five-time-a-day dosing, you can imagine that's not very conducive for you know work-life schedule balance and, and getting those, those doses in. So why, why does it need to be dosed five times per day? Uh, well, one, it is poorly absorbed in higher doses. So the more you escalate that dose, the more you give it all at once, uh, the worse off your absorption is going to be. It's, it's absorbed a little bit better if we give it in smaller multiple doses. So that's one reason. Uh, probably the biggest reason or one bigger reason, it's got a short half-life. So this drug doesn't hang around in the body very often before it's cleared out of the body. So particularly in patients with normal uh, kidney function. You know, half-life, again, kind of can range and vary based upon kidney function and things, but a normal, healthy adult individual, you're probably looking at about two to three hours. So again, very, very short half-life. And again, that's, you know, one of the reasons, big reasons, along with that absorption issue, why we have to dose this medication uh, so frequently. Now, I mentioned, hinted at the, the renal function there a little bit. Uh, it is important to remember that there are dose adjustments uh, based upon kidney function. I'm not going to go into, you know, each individual detail here. I'm not going to take time for that. Um, but if you, you know, see a patient, they've got a diagnosis of chronic kidney disease, uh, you know, maybe stage three, stage four, something like that. Uh, that's an excellent patient to go double check, make sure their kidney function is okay, and make sure that dose, uh, whatever that may be, is actually appropriate for that patient. Now let's get into adverse effects a little bit. Uh, so rarely, I would say, 
probably the, the most testable side effects that, that I've seen are nephrotoxicity and, and neurotoxicity. Uh, so in preventing, trying to prevent that nephrotoxicity, uh, it is definitely important to uh, make sure your, your patient is adequately hydrated. So important to, to remember that aspect. Uh, neurotoxicity, and again, I would say both these adverse effects, neurotoxicity and nephrotoxicity, uh, keep a lookout for you know higher doses, uh, prolonged periods of use, uh, where that drug can maybe accumulate and get to, to higher concentrations. Now, with neurotoxicity, okay, so what does that mean? What exactly are you are you going to see? Uh, and there is potential for uh, delirium type symptoms, you know, sedation, uh, agitation, confusion, things of, of that nature. Uh, but again, very, very rare, I would say. Uh, I do have a, a potential case of a cyclovir neurotoxicity on MedEd 101. So if you just go Google search uh, a cyclovir neurotoxicity MedEd 101, uh, you should see that uh, potential case uh, posted there. So uh, that was a great uh, guest post I had from uh, another pharmacist there. So it uh, certainly can happen. Uh, be aware of it. Um, and particularly in those patients maybe with poor renal function where those uh, concentrations can, can really accumulate, as well as those patients maybe on higher doses, for example. So nephrotoxicity, neurotoxicity are, are probably not incredibly common, uh, but I, I will say the most common adverse effects listed are, are going to be GI adverse effects uh, and, you know, potentially some fatigue and things of that nature. So uh, those are going to be most common. You know, usually they're they're not you know, going to prevent you from continuing to, to take the drug if it's necessary for, you know, five days or seven days or, or whatever time period the patient's taking um, that medication. You know, if you've got somebody on it for prophylaxis and they've got to take it every day or, you know, they're taking it obviously for a long period of time, you know, GI adverse effects, uh, that can be really problematic if they don't subside over time. So, Again, kind of depends upon the perspective and, and how much we're going to battle through uh, some of those adverse effects, again, in the, the odd chance that, that they occur. Uh, rarely, some LFT issues can happen. Uh, rarely, some hematologic, immunologic uh, issues can happen. So uh, CBC, neutrophils, platelets, uh, LFTs, um, you, you know, obviously creatinine and bun. Uh, we're going to take a look at, at that as well, potentially, uh, if we are noticing issues and or if we're going to uh, give this medication longer term or if, you know, maybe you've got a patient at risk uh, for some of these issues to happen. Maybe they're already, um, you know, have pre-existing liver disease. Maybe they already um, have elevated liver enzymes for some reason. Again, just kind of looking, uh, doing some of that clinical assessment with the patient and determining maybe what you're, you're going to monitor there and, and track. Again, factored in with how long, what dose, and, and all that sort of stuff too. So uh, that's a little bit about adverse effects and, and monitoring parameters. Uh, when we get back from, from break here, uh, let's finish up on drug interactions. If you're a pharmacist in the market for board certification study material, uh, NAPLEX, BCPS, BCGP, uh, Ambulatory Care, uh, the new MTM certification, definitely go check out 
meded101.com slash store. Uh, if you're a nurse, med student, other healthcare professionals, we've also got a growing list of resources there. Uh, check out some of our uh, clinical content, uh, case studies, books, things of that nature. That you can find at, at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E as well. And we frequently update that, uh, so definitely uh, don't hesitate to, to check back as we add uh, new things there. So again, support our sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, that's greatly appreciated. Helps keep this podcast uh, free and available to uh, everyone who's looking to maybe pick up on some uh, clinical pearls, some good uh, medication education. Finishing up on drug interactions today, uh, I will say in general, a, a ciclovir, I, I don't think of a drug that has a you know tremendous amount of strong, significant drug interactions. Uh, there are some rare ones. Again, I always say, you know, if you're not sure, go look it up. And I do not cover uh, every single possible drug interaction. Uh, I just highlight some things of note, uh, some things that I've seen, uh, some things I, I pay attention to for sure uh, within clinical practice there. So first off with drug interactions, I do remember the hydration status, uh, the risk of, of nephropathy, renal issues there. So if we've got a patient who's dehydrated, we might be more at risk. So how does that you know, factor in drug interactions. I definitely think about patients on diuretics, for example, you know, and are they uh, potentially overdiuresed? If they are, and we put them on a ciclovir, uh, we may have a little bit of ri more risk uh, to run into those uh, renal issues. Uh, a ciclovir of note is uh, what's called a weak CYP1A2 inhibitor. So drugs that are metabolized by cyp 1A2, they may uh, go up in their concentrations uh, in the bloodstream if we're taking agents together. So acyclovir combined with clozapine can potentially raise those clozapine concentrations. Uh, acyclovir with tizanidine, so that's an older kind of skeletal muscle relaxant type medication, uh, tizanidine concentrations can go up. So you might run the risk in either of those situations of seeing more signs uh, and symptoms of uh, clozapine toxicity and or uh, tizanidine toxicity. Uh, a couple of HIV drugs uh, that I, I did want to mention, tenofovir and zidavudine. Both those agents uh, have uh, potential to interact with acyclovir. And then we've also got uh, vaccines. Remember, for some of these viral infections, uh, so herpes zoster, uh, varicella, we've got vaccines uh, for those infections to prevent those infections. And just remember to double-check if you're giving these vaccines uh, close in and around the time frame that they're receiving uh, an antiviral agent like acyclovir, uh, be sure to keep this in mind because that acyclovir uh, could potentially alter uh, the effectiveness of that vaccine. Now, in clinical practice, does that happen very often? Uh, no, it, it certainly does not. But remember, if you give a vaccine and you're giving an agent that potentially uh, 
impacts the disease that that vaccine is is being used to prevent and we're using them close to one another, that can potentially uh, alter the response uh, and efficacy of that vaccine. So definitely wanted to, to make that point uh, with a Ciclovir here. And I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Uh, if you enjoyed uh, this episode or any episode, definitely leave us a rating review on iTunes. Uh, that helps us grow the audience, get in front of more people. And I'm so appreciative to, to those of you. Uh, I think we're almost getting close to 200 now uh, that have rated and re- reviewed the show. So i um, greatly appreciative uh, to all of you who have taken the time uh, and done that. Uh, if you're looking to uh, follow the podcast as well as get a free resource, I've got a free 31-page PDF. Uh, this took me several weeks uh, to complete this resource. It's of the top 200 drugs. And in that PDF, I actually uh, lay out some clinical pearls um, from each of those agents and what's really uh, clinically important and things you actually uh, see on a somewhat regular basis uh, in clinical practice. Obviously, a great resource as well if you're looking to prepare for uh, exams, pharmacology class, things of that nature too. So uh, go check that out, reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, simply subscribe and that should be uh, emailed to you very shortly thereafter. Uh, with that being said, um, appreciate all the, the ratings and review. Take the time to do that if you haven't done so. And I am going to sign off for today. Thanks so much for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.